this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. So is Paul saying that women are not allowed to speak in church? Now, listen, some Bible teachers, many commentators, amazingly to me, will wrench this statement out of its context and just say, this is it. Women are to be silent in the church. They're not allowed to speak. Could Paul really be saying that? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 14 in a message titled, Love and Order in the Churches. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, we're concluding today this mini-series that we've been doing, The Church and the Spirit. And we wanted to, as we mentioned, to take a, a pretty thorough look at the person, the work, the ministry of the Spirit. But the bigger goal was not to simply learn more, although that was certainly part of it. But we want to have these experiences as a part of our life experience as Christians and part of our experience as God's people when we gather. So one of the things that I hope we take away is that God fully intends that his people should regularly be experiencing the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit through the gifts. So again, not just getting information, not just growing in our understanding, but growing in our experience. But, you know, we have to get beyond spectating We have to get beyond church going. We have to engage as the people of God. And it starts among us and then spreads out from us. So when Jesus sent his followers out to establish his church in the hostile, pagan, idolatrous world of the first century, He sent them out with power. Remember the things that he said to them. He said, initially, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So Jesus said this is what they were to do. They were to wait for this power to come upon them. And then when the power came upon them, then they would go out being his witnesses and these signs would follow those who believe. So 
Just as supernatural Holy Spirit power was needed in the early days of the life of the church, the same is needed today in the hostile, pagan, idolatrous world of the 21st century. Because as I've stated many times before, the world has in many ways, come back around to what it was like before the gospel came into it. And this happens, happens over and over and over again. And by God's grace, he does at times intervene and stop the madness by by pouring out his spirit. And that's what we long to see. And so... Thank God the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are freely given and available to us today as we seek to see the church grow and the kingdom of God advanced. But we must be careful. And this is really the gist of this 14th chapter. We must be careful to create environments where God can work unhindered. Paul is concerned that the church gathered, the church gathered, that's us, is a place where believers can learn about and experience God and unbelievers can encounter the presence and the power of God. And in Having that encounter with God can have the secrets of their hearts laid bare and fall down and worship. Neither of these things will happen if our gatherings are rigid and lifeless on the one hand or chaotic and filled with confusion on the other. So really the 14th chapter is primarily about order. That's the reason Paul wrote this 14th chapter. So Paul's final instruction on the gifts is all about using them properly in a God-honoring manner and that the gatherings be marked by behavior that is fitting and orderly for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So Paul here is going to, remember, he's addressing the issue of order, and he's going to talk specifically about tongues. We've talked about tongues, so I'm not going to go into any kind of big explanation about, you know, just exactly what tongues are, but he's going to talk about the use of tongues, the exercise of tongues, and remember, all of this is in the congregational setting. Remember, it's all in the environment like we are in here today. So he's going to talk about tongues, He's going to talk about prophecy, and then he's going to talk about a particular disruptive behavior that was happening there in the Corinthian church. So what does Paul say about tongues? Look at verse 18. And note this, Paul is not down on tongues. 
Look what Paul says in verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul, he speaks in tongues. He says to them, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So Paul is not down on tongues. What is Paul down on? Well, number one, as he states throughout the passage here, he's down on multiple tongues being spoken out loud simultaneously because that's confusing. And remember, he illustrated it. If everyone is simultaneously speaking in tongues and an unbeliever walks in, they're going to think these people are mad. So he doesn't allow for that. And secondly, he's down on tongues without an interpretation in the general assembly because it edifies only the speaker and the gifts are for the profit of all. So, and he he stated that many times over, that the gifts are not for the personal edification of the one exercising the gift as much as they are for the body collectively. And so, Paul forbids those kinds of tongue experiences. But not only does he say he speaks in tongues more than they did, but then he gives the proper way of exercising the gift. So in verse 27, he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. So, two or three at the most with an interpreter. That's how tongues are to be exercised in a congregational setting. And then if there is no interpreter, look in verse 28. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So if there's no interpreter, then the tongue is to be spoken quietly, softly, under one's breath, so that you're speaking to God, but the edification is going on between you and the Lord, but the people around you are not missing out on being edified, nor are they confused by what's happening. So that's Paul's instruction on tongues. And then he moves to prophecy. Now, remember that for Paul, prophecy is really the gift that we should eagerly pursue. And his reasoning behind that is because prophecy edifies the church. And remember what he said in verse 3. He said, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And so prophecy is important to the apostle. He says, if you are going to seek to excel in the gift, seek to excel in this gift because of what the gift does. It strengthens, it encourages, and it comforts people. And that's what we need. But even with prophecy, there is to be an order. So it's not just to be a haphazard sort of a 
experience where anybody and everybody is shouting out a prophetic word uh, here and there and everywhere with, with no order to it, Paul gives the instruction that two or three are to prophesy in consecutive order. So they're not to prophesy simultaneously because, again, that's confusion. But they're to prophesy in consecutive order. They're to prophesy. People are to listen. They finish. And then he says that the others there are to weigh what they said, meaning to evaluate it or to judge it, to discern, is this a word from the Lord? And so as there's agreement that this is a word from the Lord, then there is, there's the receiving of that word. So even though prophecy is preferred over tongues, there are still guidelines to keep things orderly. Now, as we come to verses 34 and 35, Paul's not changing the subject here. He's talking about the same thing. He's just giving now another example of where this disorder is happening. And so the verses, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church, these verses that have often been used to support the idea that a woman cannot teach in the church, listen, have nothing whatsoever to do with that subject. You see, to take it and try to make it say that, you're wrenching these verses completely out of their context. That's not the context. The context is not really what can women do in the church, The context is there's disorder in the church and it needs to stop. So, you know, when we talk about studying the Bible and understanding it in its context, it's important that we get the context. Because if we don't get the context, we will come up with the wrong conclusion. So this is a particular situation that was happening in Corinth with some of the women in the church, but even more specifically with some of the wives. Paul is talking to wives, or he's referring to wives here, not to women in general. Now, I say that because there's one Greek word that is translated both women and wives throughout the New Testament. And the context of the word determines whether it's women or wives. Now here, I think wives is obviously who Paul is referring to because he references their husbands. And some manuscripts read your women or wives. What makes more sense? 
your women are not to speak or your wives are not to speak. I think your wives is clearly what is being said. So I'm not wanting to take a big diversion on this. This is a, a topic in and of itself, but I do want to say a few more things about it. So is Paul saying that women are not allowed to speak in church? Now, listen, some Bible teachers, many commentators, and even study Bibles, amazingly to me, will wrench this statement out of its context and just say, this is it. Women are to be silent in the church. They're not allowed to speak. Could Paul really be saying that? That hardly seems likely since in an earlier chapter, he spoke of women praying and prophesying in the church. So if Paul is now saying, having said in chapter 11, verse 5, that women pray and prophesy in the church, now if in chapter 14 he's saying they can't do that, Paul is confused. But Paul was not uncertain. And he's not contradicting himself. He's not talking about what they say he's talking about. Now, since the context is order versus disorder, it seems to me that Paul is forbidding these wives from speaking out disruptively. Now, now let me read to you the same passage with that emphasis, and you tell me if it doesn't seem to make the most sense. So I'm just going to read it with that emphasis. Wives should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak out, but must be submissive, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. And listen to the strong wording. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church or is it disgraceful for a woman to speak out disruptively in the church? Well, to me, I think it's pretty clear that it would be disgraceful for disruptive speech, but it couldn't be disgraceful just for speech in general because, like we already said, Paul recognizes that women pray and prophesy in the church. So I think Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the passage in the message really nailed it. And this is how he put it. Wives must not disrupt worship, talking when they should be listening, asking questions that could more appropriately be asked of their husbands at home. God's book of the law guides our manners and customs here. Wives have no license to use the time of worship for unwarranted speaking. That's what he's talking about here. Because remember, it's in a context. And the whole issue here, this is incidental. It's just this, this is what's happening in the Corinthian church. There's disorder with tongues. There's confusion over prophecy. And there's this group of wives that are speaking out disruptively, and they are creating disorder. And so Paul 
says that that is not to be done. So much more could be said about women's roles in the church, but suffice it to say that the idea that a woman cannot speak or teach in the church is an interpretation of a few biblical texts, and I think an incorrect and harmful interpretation, and not at all what Paul is addressing here. So that's what this passage is about. It is not about prohibiting women from speaking, praying, prophesying, teaching. Now, in the remainder of the chapter, Paul reasserts his apostolic authority. Paul recognizes that he's going to get some pushback. They're not going to really like what he's saying about some of these things. And so that's when he says, are you the only people? Or or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? And then he says, if anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the spirit... So they might say, well, we've got the spirit. What does Paul know? He says, let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. So Paul reasserts his apostolic authority here. And then finally, he encourages the full exercise of the gifts in a proper and an orderly way. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So the spirit, the attitude in which the gifts are to be exercised is love. And remember, love is looking out for the other. As we're exercising the gifts, we're looking out for the other. We want to bless and to benefit others. That's the intended purpose of the gifts. The atmosphere and environment in which the gifts are exercised is to be an orderly one. Because again, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So as I said, what I want to do today is I want to close now, not just a service, but I want to finish this series. And my goal, our goal has been that we would have a fresh experience with the Spirit and that we would begin to start to recognize the gifts that we have or call upon the Lord to impart to us gifts and that we would begin to share them with each other in the different worship contexts that we find ourselves in. But that happens when we are filled with the Spirit and when we are stirring up the gifts. Now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry and One we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version answering 50 of the top 
objections and questions, kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide. Or that the Bible condones slavery. So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. Yep. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell to help equip you to defend the faith. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights when we welcome back Pastor Char Broderson as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.